What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shishkoombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Today, I'm going to go a little bit shorter than the past few weeks, but don't confuse that with being any less rich. What I want to talk to you about is the state of perception that we get into when we market our books. I've been talking a lot about positivity and the law of attraction and the power that is in your belief your belief that you are a good book marketer. And all of that is true. And I want to illustrate that by saying I was unaware that my very best month of book marketing ever happened to come in what Steve Piper has now said is the slowest month he's ever seen for Facebook. This is TRBM a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step -step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. There was a fair amount of negativity in the Ammo group on Facebook. If you're part of the Ammo community, you are in the private Ammo group, and you can talk to other people who have been here who have done um, $90,000 of book sales in a month. Some people have done more. Large amounts of money uh, have, have been made through Ammo. Um, and also... Brand new people, people like me who have been less than a year at it, but uh, are starting to experience success. <clears throat> Steve Piper, 
Steve put out a video post on the group and said, hey, uh, in the six years that I've been doing this, I've definitely seen my ups and downs. This is definitely the, the worst month that I've seen. Um, and he reframed everything by saying that Facebook still has the largest market share. And that's an important thing to keep in mind, larger than Google, which includes YouTube. So Facebook is the place to advertise your books and they have really valuable data. Now, the reason that I think this is interesting is because nobody told me at the beginning of the month that other people were having trouble. In fact, I have stayed off the group for the most part for that reason. I didn't want to see if other people were having a great month and I was just experiencing a fluke. I didn't want to see if it was a tough month. Um, I happened to get on there because I was looking to source a few more guests for the show, um, and I wanted to ask people's uh, opinions and thoughts on other comic expos. So uh, on that note, I did talk with David Scherer. It looks like we're getting ready to plan that episode to break down Cincinnati Comic Con. I'm really looking forward to that. I think you're going to love the insights and the energy and everything about that. And uh, I'm also planning with my friend and sometimes roving co-host Rich, who is host of the Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs podcast, as well as Heather O'Brien, who's been a frequent guest on the podcast uh, and part of the hashtag writers group with me, uh, and Juliet Willows. We're going to be doing some comic expos, some uh, book fairs, and different things like that. In fact, I will be shortly going to uh, an indie book fair at the Iowa Fairgrounds in Des Moines. So I'll have something to report on that and let you know how it goes. Seems like a great way to get new readers and meet people in person and start to build a relationship. So I'm really excited to do those things. Anyway, what I'm saying here is had I known that this was going to be the worst month for Facebook, I might have looked at my performance this month, which has just been profitable up until the last couple of days, and I, I might have I been over the moon excited that where other people were struggling, I was hitting my stride. I didn't know that. And throughout this time, I've had moments of real struggle. I've had moments where I thought I, I simply cannot be the kind of positive force in this world that I need to be to call things toward me. Um, I just am too influenced by moods. And I do want to tell you, I struggle with desperation. So if you're out there listening right now and you've been trying to get more readers for your books and trying to sell things and you're like, I have tried everything I possibly can, I would literally sell my body if I could just get some readers. If you're that person, you're in good company. Well, I don't know if you can call me good company, but you're in company <laughs> because I have felt desperation most days of my, my existence, my life. I find a lot of times that I dwell on wanting to prove people wrong. Uh, recently, there's a person in my life whom I love and respect uh, who, who thinks that, that Ashley, my wife, going back to a W-2 so that we don't have to sell the last of our rentals um, is, is uh, really harmful to my family. And so that person uh, has been kind of making some underhanded comments about how I'm a housewife now. And, uh, you know... I want to say that I've been really strong and resilient and I haven't let those comments bother me, but they further stoke 
my desperation, my desire to prove people wrong. But you know what you don't get out of a heart of trying to prove people wrong? You don't get abundance. You don't get joy. You don't get happiness. Right here, right now, today, you have to choose to be happy, knowing that what you have is materializing, that it's already yours, and you just haven't run into the point where you're holding it in your hands. And now time for a little ad break. Have you ever heard of the Luke and Time Mysteries? If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have. The host is also the author. The Luke and Time Mysteries are for anybody who likes a little R-rated action with a bit of magic, as well as characters who do incredibly unlikely things, such as drink two gallons of bourbon in a single sitting. It's local. It's place-driven. It's voicey. It's hard-boiled. And where does all of Lyle's food come from? Find out these details and more when you buy the Luke and Time Mysteries. Click the link in the show notes, and we have every format available. Don't miss your chance to get a 60% discount just for being a podcast listener. Now back to the show. I'll try an analogy. It's probably a bad analogy. Poke holes in it. Make a comment on the Substack. Subscribe to my Substack so that you can have the robust experience of, of community comments. You can comment on the thread and get to know other writers and other book marketers and movers and shakers. But anyway, let me know that I'm wrong with this with this analogy. But if you have uh, 10,000 head of sheep and you're a free-range uh shepherd what the heck do you call them there's a, there's a you could do cattle too there's free range though that happens more in montana anyways <laughs> good grief it's a terrible analogy the point is if you can't see all 10,000 cows are they still yours if it's going to take you 5 hours to get to one of the cows because it's grazed so widely is it still yours do you still own it so just because you can't see something just because you don't possess it at that moment does it mean it's not yours the other analogy that I've been dwelling on a lot, if you don't uh, mind me going back into this place of talking about uh, manifesting and uh, calling to us what is ours, the law of abundance, the law of love. If you've ever heard of a, a choose your own adventure book, they have these, uh, I, was, I was told by my friend Shane, who reads my, my early drafts and helps me to get them in better shape. Uh, that they have um, basically like a computerized version of a, a novel that is like a, a choose-your-own-adventure-on-steroids type of thing that can take like days and days and days and days to play. Um, but I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about this idea of what already is ours. And when someone hands you that choose-your-own-adventure book, or really a video game works too if you're a, a gamer, everything that can happen in the video game has already happened. You can't do something in a video game that wasn't programmed to be possible. So every single possibility has already happened. And you're just choosing the adventure that you get to each thing. I'm a really big fan of Zelda. I don't know if anybody out there is also a fan of Zelda. When I was a child, I played the early games. I think Link's Awakening was, was the first Nintendo version of the game. I've played all the Zelda games as far as I know. Well, no. I mean, there's some 3D ones between uh, the Nintendo 64 and the Nintendo Switch that I didn't play. I didn't have those consoles, and I wasn't in a time in my life where I was playing a lot of Nintendo. My kids have the Switch, so I've played the new, the new games on Switch. They're very fun. Um, and they serve another kind of a 
analogy is that those games, you if you wanted, you could just go straight from the very first scene. You could run across the map. You could go fight the big bad guy. Uh, I'm sure that there are people who have even uh, beaten the game just doing that. Uh, or you can go and explore and you can collect apples and you can trade apples in for rupees and you can get very, very rich. And you can get all of the different items in the game. You can get items in different orders. You can do things however you want. It's called an open world. Every possibility is open to you and you get to choose what your character is like and how powerful your character is in the game and what order you do everything. That blew my mind the first time I played that game. And it's blowing my mind all over again that that is what we are experiencing in this life. If you can envision it, if you can imagine it, you can call it to yourself. It's already yours. You know there's going to be somebody listening who's like, yeah, well, I had my arm chopped off. What if I can just envision regrowing it? Will it regrow? You can actually go look. There, there are studies done right now where uh, limbs are being regrown. So technically, yeah, it's possible. Um, you, can't, you can't look at the stump. <laughs> Stumpy. <laughs> Sorry, if you're an amputee and I just called you Stumpy, I apologize. <laughs> just the person, the person who brings up this objection is never the person who's actually suffered the amputation. Have you ever noticed that people who object to things are never actually the victim of the things they're objecting to? That's weird. Anyway, <laughs> you could put yourself in a situation where you actually found the doctor, the researcher, the scientist who's doing the groundbreaking work, and you could end up being a test subject and have your limb regrown. See, there's a way that everything happens. Then there's going to be another person who's going to argue and be like, well, I can't be the president of the United States of America because I'm not a U.S. citizen, or I can't, I can't, I can't. Sure. Right now, in the world we live in, I'm sure you can find objections that you can't do, and I am not responsible to tell you how to make those things happen. But when John F. Kennedy ran for president, no Catholic had ever been the president of the United States of America. And they said it couldn't happen. When the first person, I can't remember his name, he's so frequently cited, it's almost like cliched now, but ran a four-minute mile before that, a, a sub-four-minute mile, I should say, they said it couldn't be done. Landing on the moon, they said it couldn't be done. Whatever you think can't be done hasn't been done yet. But if you really want to, you can do it. You can call it into existence. I think this is really an important time for us to understand that we can do amazing things and that sometimes ignorance could be our friend. So bringing it all the way back to the point of this episode. I didn't know this month was a real dismal month for book sales and for people in general on Facebook advertising, I had no clue. I don't know what next month is going to bring. But I do know that I had my best month ever, that I was able to increase my budget to $101 a day and hang in there and be profitable for quite a while. And I even still am in a position where it makes more sense to keep spending $100 than to back my budget off. It, it has everything to do with discovering the power of being positive, and believing in good things. Have I done well every day? No. You know, I mean, I had almost a whole week. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, four days where 
you know, I, I spiraled. I had, I had some, some bad moments this, this last month, but got back up, dusted myself off, made the choice. Can't deny the evidence. Can't deny what's going on. Can't turn away now. Yes, I'm ashamed. Yes, I'm embarrassed. Yes, I've done some stupid stuff. If you're just new to this podcast, I, I drank too much for a few days. Um, and if you're new to this podcast, I've done several episodes where I've talked about my drinking. I, I, I've never had a particularly healthy relationship with alcohol. Um, and I guess I can report for those of you who like milestones that I am still sober. I have not had any alcohol. I discussed with my wife last night that there is a potential world in which I drink a beer with a friend if I'm invited to drink a beer with a friend, but that if I drink even more than one beer, that that's a failed experiment. I haven't decided whether I'm going to do that or not. There's a friend here in town who has texted me a couple times about beers, and I'm like, you know, if I don't drink, then I won't hang out with him and blah, 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 you know. Sometimes you got to graduate friends. I don't know. That's another episode entirely. But for those of you who are curious, still on the horse, metaphorically speaking, still walking the line, metaphorically speaking. And that's what I've got for you, my friends, my listeners, my fellow authors, my fellow book marketers. That is what I have got for you today. You've got a choice. You have a choice to look at the statistics and say, oh, it's the worst month ever. Woe is me. I can't do this. Everything always goes wrong for me. Or you can say, I'm going to sell a lot of books today and get yourself into a feeling state where you can really experience the feeling of selling a lot of books today. And if you can do that and you don't see results, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from anybody who knows for sure that they were in a feeling state where they felt the reality of having done something and failed at it. And there's a huge difference. I said I was done, but I'm going to finish with one more kind of analogy. If you're a sports fan, this one probably will will land for you. But there's something called the home run feeling. If you've ever watched a baseball game and somebody comes up to bat, you'll just have this spontaneous moment when they step into the batter's box of like, oh, they're going to hit a home run. And it's so matter of fact when it comes over you, there's no doubting when you have it. That doesn't mean that you don't wish and, and just feel desperation for it to happen in certain moments. I mean, gosh, I'm a Cubs fan. I've, I have been desperate for the home run so many times. But there's just these uh, rare occasions where <laughs> you have the home run feeling. Uh, there's one that's caught on video. I'll see if I can link to it. My wife videoed it. Um, my sons are, and I are watching the Cubs. Javi Baez was up to bat and we were all cheering for him. Javi, 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 you know, his pitch. And he goes down, he's in a two strike count. And I looked over at my wife and I was like, it's okay. Javi's always best in a two strike count. And literally the next pitch he hit out of the park. And it was this moment of, just it's beautiful because you knew it was going to happen. You were cheering for it. You felt the confidence. You even proclaimed it, and it happened. Um, again, there's so many times when you're desperate, and that's why it can be difficult in retrospect. That's the weird thing. It can be difficult in retrospect to determine what is inspired feeling and what is desperation. Because when you look at him from behind, you're like, well, what if he hadn't hit that home run? Then I would have labeled that as desperation. But it's because he did that. Then I say it's inspired. Not exactly a chicken and egg argument, but kind of, kind of like that. So you have to look deep in yourself and say, hey, is this inspiration? 
Am I really feeling? Did I really have the feeling of it? But also, no, you can create the feeling. You can do things. There, there are really great books out there by very reputable people. Uh, I keep mentioning her. Dr. Tara Swart Bieber is going to be a guest on this podcast in the near future. Still working to get a date scheduled, but uh, she's very receptive to it and open to it. We've been talking. It's fun. Um, she is uh, a doctor of the highest degree doing some of the most important research out there on the law of attraction. She's an amazing podcast, which by the way, you should listen to the last two episodes. Reinvent Yourself by Dr. Tara is a great podcast and season two, episodes one and two are both phenomenal. Really, really good stuff. A little less on the manifestation, um, but still kind of like right there. And it's it's just about neuroplasticity is what she's calling it these days. So um, I do sense that she tries to distance herself from like the real Swami weird peoples. Um, and I can understand that because sometimes the woo-woo gets even woo-woo for me, but then sometimes it doesn't. I'm not rambling, but I'm pretty dang close. Let's call it. Let's call it right here. Go out, sell some books. Be amazing because you are. You heard it from me. If you haven't heard it from anybody else recently, you are amazing. I'm just going to call out a couple of people. No. <laughs> I was literally going to just randomly name somebody like Bob Johnson. You know, Bob, if you're listening right now, you're awesome. Uh, <laughs> see there, I did it. Uh, let's see. Can anybody else coming up to top of mind? No. Bob Johnson, if you're listening, I really admire the work that you're doing. Keep it up. Also, subscribe to the Substack, Bob, and leave a comment that you were, in fact, listening to this episode. <laughs> and now I've really done it. Nobody's listening to the podcast anymore. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?